another edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julian Brownman and the magic of the internet and other things I don't understand, which is a part of a long list of things I don't understand. I'm in Los Angeles. Julie's back at her uh, mansion in Denver. Jesse is there as well to engineer and make sure this whole thing comes out. The Rockies continue to uh, struggle, which is a vast understatement. It is Wednesday morning when we are taping this, and the Rockies just fell last night 5-3 to three after getting a great performance from Chichi uh, Gonzalez. They had a 2 nothing lead, and then Justin Turner uh, would hit a home run late, but the big home run was the veteran Russell Martin, a three-run shot. So uh, more disappointment for the Rockies. I honestly have never seen anything like this, uh, Julie, but uh, at some point in time, uh, things will get better, one assumes. Well, um, they, I think they have to get better. The only good thing about this right now, and I would say the only good thing, is I really don't think it can get much worse. It can't is that get, fair? No, it's, not, it's not unfair because it's accurate. I have never seen anything like this. It can't get any worse. It cannot get any worse. Uh, if there was one word to describe the Rockies' season, what would it be? And I'll, I'll tell you what mine is, what just immediately came to my head. Sucky. <laughs> is that a word? Sorry. That's my word. Yeah. That's my word. Yep. What's your word? My word right now would be. I, I had a word and it jumped out of my head. It, it's been a it's been a tragic disappointment. That's a couple of, of, of words. Tragic is usually too strong. So tragic. A term. It, it, it's it's yeah. been um, it's been beyond disappointing because disappointing would have been had they won 80, 81 games and finished 500 coming off the last two seasons. It would have been disappointing to, to not compete down the stretch. But this has been um, – no, uh, nobody saw it coming. So uh, unforeseen. Unforeseen. So we're going to switch things up a little bit. You know, we talked about – I think about next season, and I think – all right. Well, hold on. One more word. Devastating. Say- yeah, I think it's because it was unfortunate. Because we all had yeah, such high hopes. I like sucking. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I'm sorry. We're getting caught on one word, but it, it, it's unforeseen. And the way things have gone now, it just feels awful. So, anyhow, we move on. Okay, we move on. So, then let's look at uh, next year. So, if you look at what is this team going to look like next year, because there's no way that, that I don't think that the Rockies can stand pat with how the season, the expectations of it, and what played out and how devastating or tragic or however you want to call it, how unforeseen. I just can't see, Drew, that this this roster, this coaching staff, everything about it is going to be exactly the same next year. It can't. That sounds a terrible message, don't you think? I think whenever you have strong disappointment or a devastatingly poor season or something turns devastatingly poor, unless there's a singular reason like you know three of your main guys got hurt at the same time and and that contributed largely to um what occurred in this case the injuries came later now you can't completely flip around a roster and and you don't want to overreact in professional sports um but you're always going to have change and and sometimes you have to really look at at what you're doing and and maybe change certain things as to how you arrived at the the decisions you made in the past if they didn't work out. I think any good organization, whether it be sports or if you're a manufacturing 
uh, business, you have to look at your process when things don't go well and say, all right, how do we alter it? And, and then how do we change certain things um, going forward to, to change the ultimate result? Uh, that, that's just doing your job. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that obviously there wouldn't be a roster rehaul and there wouldn't be a coaching rehaul. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's the answer. I'm just saying as far as fans go, I think if you trot out the exact same thing, um, that's not going to fly. Right. I mean, and I don't think it would fly for the organization either. And one of the things I think I know about the Momforts, though, is they're very loyal. Like, I think Dick Momfort is a very loyal person. He's loyal to to people in his organization and the people that he works for. Um, it'll be interesting to just to see, I guess, interesting would be the word, what, what kind of changes they decide to make or, um, you know, on the roster. And we can tell, you know, with the pitching staff and, and the bullpen and, and what they can do financially, right? Because there's some things you can't do. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be hamstrung a little bit because, you know, some guys have guaranteed money that have uh, underperformed considerably. And so you say, oh, trade this guy, trade that guy. That's that's a normal fan reaction. It's an understandable one, but it's not a realistic one because if a guy's not performed well, why do you think there's going to be a lot of arms raised around baseball with other teams to say, oh, yeah, let me take on that salary and somebody's six ERA? Probably you know, unlikely to happen. So it's difficult. You know, Jeff uh, Breidich and his guys are going to have a, you know, uh, a, a very uh, busy offseason, and, and it's difficult to make decisions. And and that's the one thing, and, and I know when Jeff said this in my book, you know, it was unpopular that, you know, almost like telling, you know, stick in your lane type of thing where, you know, they they – have to process information and and come out and make a decision. And when you make a decision, I've heard Dan O'Dowd say this too. You know, when you make a decision, you have to you have to write your name on that decision. Some decisions will turn out okay, and some others won't. And and that's the nature of the business. But again, to your original question, going forward into this off season and what ends up being on the roster to break camp in late March next year. Yeah, there's going to be changes and there needs to be changes because what we've witnessed here in the second half, um, you know, not only to the fan base is unacceptable, but to more importantly, I'm sure to Dick Monfort and to to everybody upstairs uh, in the front office, it's completely unacceptable. What about the talk of trading a marquee player? And I guess what you could get for that marquee player, because it would be multiple players. Um, That to me kind of starts the talk of a rebuild. And I don't really feel like as disappointing as the season is, I don't feel like that's where this team is. Well, you're coming off back to back playoff years. And then this year is going to be, you know, a disastrous one. I don't think you have to tear everything down. You still have a lot of really good pieces, and you can't let um, the 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 disappointment of this year and, and the second half uh, obscure that fact. Now, sometimes to get better, and the Rockies historically haven't done this, you may have to trade somebody you thought is part of your core to acquire something else that you think will in the long term benefit you more or in the near term benefit you more. In other words, you know, trade a position player for a, 
you know, if somebody, if there's a team out there that is willing to, you know, part with a, a, a pitcher, a starting pitcher that has, you know, has either done it before or has tremendous upside, you know, you may have to do that. Or maybe as importantly, Julie, something to help restock a farm system that by measurements right now is below average um, for where they want to be. And, you know, they have to look at that also. So we're going to lighten things up a little bit. This is, we just had a contest running this week. Uh, you mentioned your book and the contest was to win an autographed copy of your book. Um, and I have to mention to our listeners, like you asked me the other day, you said, well, well, what else do we have to give away? And I was like, well, really, we just have your book unless you want, we want to like give away, like I have a t-shirt here or um, personal items. But right now it's an autographed copy of your book. The winner is John Snodgrass, who retweeted and subscribed to the podcast. So he wins an autographed copy of That's book. awesome. Congrats, John. So that's John. pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. So John wins that book. We'll get that book to John. Um, speaking of your book, I feel like we need to hear, I feel like we need story time with Drew. Story time with Drew. Like, give me a, yeah, a good, a story that'll make us feel good. Because I feel like Rockies fans need that right now. Well, Clint Hurdle was just in town with the Pirates. It didn't feel good because the Pirates won all four games, so that felt lousy. <laughs> but right. it, it's always uh, for me. I you know I always enjoy you visiting with Clint and and catching up with Clint and his family and and his fan. You know he's still very very fond of Colorado and his uh, his family and, and Christian and Maddie came back. And by the way, for those that that know what uh, Clinton Carla. You know, have gone through with their daughter Maddie, who has Prader Willie syndrome. She's doing great. She's seventeen, and um, he he has been a champion in in raising money for research on Prader Willie, and and they're a terrific family. So it was awesome to see them. But it reminded me, Julie, of a story um, in the chapter on the managers over the years. The first chapter is about Clint because I started um, with the Rockies. My first manager actually was Buddy Bell when I started, but Buddy was fired after a month. Buddy was, you know, handpicked by Dan O'Dowd. They were close from the Cleveland organization. And in 2002, the season started poorly. The Rockies weren't winning. They weren't hitting, among other things. And Buddy Bell and, and Dan O'Dowd, uh, you know, had reached a, a point where something had to happen. And, and Dan um, fired Buddy. He calls Clint in the morning at home and says, hey, I want to come over to your house and talk to you face to face. Clint takes that. I mean, they they were in a bad place, right? Clint takes that as a, mm-hmm. a as a signal. I'm getting fired. He calls up his dad <laughs> in Florida, who he's very close with, and he goes, "Dad," he goes, "Well, you know how this business works." He goes, "We're not hitting. We're not winning." He goes, uh, "Dan just called me. He's coming over the house to fire me." Well, Oof. in actuality. Because remember, he's not the bench coach. This was a little unconventional. He was the hitting coach. Dan was coming over uh-huh. to hire him. He and the first thing he said, um, he said, "I want you know, I we need your personality at this point in time. I think you're the right guy, uh, basically, to be the next manager." And Clint didn't respond. His quote in my book was, "I don't think I said anything for a good thirty seconds." which felt like five minutes because I didn't see this coming. <laughs> I had everything the other way. Then my mind starts rolling and I yeah. go, oh my gosh, 
And that is how uh, he got the job on April 26, 2002. And of course, you know, he, wow. he lasted, you know, into 2009, which in in today's terms is a really long run. And, and he helped guide the Rockies to their first World Series. But that's how it all began. That's how he got the news. And there's, you know, there's other great stories in there from Clint. The story about when he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I'll let you buy the book or, or pick up the book or win it on this uh, program and i'm just going to do complete stories but that is priceless also it's it's hysterical as to uh you know how he found that out that he was on the cover of sports Illustrated. because again it's it's 19 i think 75 it's not 2015 where everybody finds out things instantaneously so we are going to give you this week another chance to win the book. All you have to do is retweet our podcast link and also subscribe. Really easy. And we'll give you another chance to win the book. Or you can go to the DrewGoodmanPodcast.com and order the book. So that's a, an easy way to do it. And you can order an autograph book on that. We're going to take a break. This is like a smorgasbord of a show. We're doing words to describe the Rocky season. We're doing stories from the book, trading marquee players, and you had a chance to sit down with Ryan McMahon, who we look forward to seeing another year of growth next year. For sure, we're going to hear from Ryan when we come back on the Drew Goodman Podcast. Got to tell you about my friends at Ideal Home Loans. They are the people to go and see. If you're getting a new mortgage, if you're buying a home, if you're refinancing. In fact, I was just on the phone with Brent Ivinson yesterday. and We were talking about um, home loans and the great, I mean, great rates right now. I mean, you're really foolish if you have not given them a call at 303-867-7000 to find out exactly how much money you can save month to month right now because the rates are at historic lows and they can get you redone very quickly. Give them a call at 303-867-7000. They've been around since 2001. They're a local lender. Another thing that, that may be on your mind is consolidating debt because of the low uh, interest rates right now. It is a perfect time to do that. Ideal Home Loans will take care of you in that regard as well. They'll come out to your house. They have uh, salary-based folks that you're going to deal with. So I, I always say you're not going to deal with the hard sell. It, it always drives me nuts personally when I have somebody just trying to sell me something and, and it kind of loses the genuineness, if you will. So Ideal Home Loans is the best place to go. They've had an outstanding uh, rating for many, many years with the Better Business Bureau. Give them a call at 303-867-7000. Refinancing, buying a new home, consolidating debt. 303-867-7000. Brent Ivinson and his great team at Ideal. And Ideal Home Loans brings us our interview every week. And this week, I got a chance to sit down with Ryan McMahon, who is really having a terrific sophomore year. He's a great kid. And we talked about initially how things were going and how he was holding up with this really difficult second half. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a tough last uh, couple months for us, but, you know, still baseball man we're still pros we love this game and we want to go out there and play hard uh no matter what you know can or can't happen so we're focused on the things that we can and 
know, hopefully play some good ball going forward. I always talk about baseball, and I have three boys, you know, the play, and I talk about the grind. And I don't care how gifted you are, and you guys are playing in the best league in the world. It is always a grind. When did you learn that and understand it and appreciate it? I mean, you, you start to learn about, like, your first year of pro ball, but once you get to the big leagues, honestly, I mean, things are nicer and stuff like that, but the extra 22 games, that's that's when you really learn about it. So I'm, I'm kind of learning about it right now. I'm, Got tired last week. Had to had to you know rearrange some things in my schedule. Make sure I get my sleep, stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, man, 162 is a lot more than 140. Those, those last 22 games, they, they can sneak up on you. Get you. You've made great strides from your from your rookie year, and obviously now you are playing basically uh, every day. What are you most proud of in terms of where you are in September of 2019 versus where you were a year ago? Yeah, um, you know, the thing that I'm probably most proud of is, is you know, I didn't really let it discourage me, you know, not playing every day and, and not playing well when I wasn't playing a lot. Um, you know, it, it, I very easily, I mean, there were tough times, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I always believed that I would be a, a good player and that I could do some things in this league. And, you know, obviously it's a very tough league and it's a very humbling league, so you got to keep working and stuff like that and finding ways to get better. But, uh, you know, I, I always believe in myself that I can do it that has anybody helped you in terms of always keeping your confidence? And I've said this many times, Ryan, on the air. You'll, you'll look at somebody, you'll take like a Nolan, and, and I don't care who you are. As great as he is, he's going to have his one for 15 with seven punch outs, that kind of thing. And, and you, you almost go, how can he have his confidence hurt? Just look at the bad miss baseball card. Did somebody help you with that and say, hey, dude, you're a good player. Even if you have a bad night or a bad three days, you're a good player. Oh yeah, I mean we honestly, I mean we have a great veteran group that kind of has, has shown us the ropes for this. I mean Desi Murphy have helped me out a bunch. Uh, Chad, you know, and just kind of watching the story and knowing go through their their business day to day. But man, you know the best advice I ever got was just having some perspective on it. This is the most important thing in life. You know, this is this is something we love. This is something we take a lot of pride in. But there are a lot of bigger problems out there. A lot of a lot of other things that you know come first in the pecking order of life. So. Uh, you know, just kind of understanding that, learning how to separate the two, and kind of just moving on on a day-to-day -day basis, man. You know, what happens at the ballpark shouldn't affect how you are at home. But when you get to the ballpark, that's the most important thing that you have going right then and there. That's unusual perspective for somebody your age, seriously. Yeah. Did that come from mom and dad? Where did it come from? Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, my parents obviously raised me. They gave me the foundation. But, you know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I, I always ended at the field or I don't take the next day into the next day. It's, it's a hard thing to do, but... But the goal is to be able to do that. It's just kind of something you've learned, you learn over time. You hear veteran guys talk about it a lot. Um, you know, whether that sticks in your mind or sticks in how you do it, it, it doesn't usually happen that way. It usually takes going through some struggling times to, to kind of figure it out. I saw your parents last night. I know you come from a close family. I saw your brother. Sometimes when I've seen him on two occasions, I had to do a double take because I think he looks exactly like you. Um, I know you're proud of him. He's a football player, and, uh, and, and he's already dealt with some trials and tribulations. Started at one school, now he's at a junior college. Tell us how proud you are. Yeah, honestly, man, the two people I'm most proud of in my life are my little brother and little sister. Um, you know, you can people joke around about different stuff. You know, jab. You know, a lot of people like to comment on, on my mother's looks. My mother's a beautiful woman. Um, you know, you can mess with me about my mom and my dad all you want, but if you cross that line and go out for my brother or sister, I usually 
I usually haul you right there. They're uh, they're the two two people I love the most in the world. Yeah, it's, that's neat, and I'm sure they're they're your biggest fan also. How often do you get to visit with them? Um, not a lot during season, but off season. I mean, I my sister actually lives with me in Arizona, so I, I'm going to see her a lot more. This is going to be the first off season we do that together, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but my brother, man, I'll be out at every football game of his uh, this season that I can get to. You know, I'll see him. I call him a lot. Um, you know, but yeah, we have, we have a really good family dynamic. Now, I, I've said this on the air a bunch, so people are, are probably aware, maybe not. You were a heck of a high school quarterback. Who was better, you or Tyler? So, I, I tell this to everybody. I had I had the better arm. Like, back when I was in high school, I had a really strong football arm. Nowadays, not, but my brother has that feel for the game that you can't teach, man. He's just so aware of everything that happens. He always makes the right read where I was the guy, I had the big arm, man. I'm going to chuck it wherever I can and try to make something happen. So. I think through and through, he's a better football player than I am. I watched your tape. You, you, you ought to be proud of it. I watched your huddle tape. You could have played college football, and I mean, you had the size. You delivered the football. Uh, you played in a great program in modern day. Was was baseball always number one? Oh yeah, always, man. Um, I, I didn't like getting hit. I wasn't a huge fan of getting hit. Uh, I wasn't very mobile, so I didn't get to run away from those guys a lot. So, uh, man, I've just always loved baseball. It's always been my thing. You know, even when I would be at football practice, I'd always be thinking about, you know, when's baseball season going to start and when can I start doing baseball stuff. Do you think you saw as a second baseman after Man, I don't even know. God, I, wherever I'm playing that day. But, you know, honestly, I feel really comfortable over there. Um, you know, whatever the team asks me to do, I'll do it. But, uh, you know, I, I enjoy playing second base a lot. How special was hitting your 20th in LA? That was cool, man. Um, you know, obviously that's that's a cool number. It's, it's not something you can really focus on entirely, but you take a step back and, and kind of realize, you know, hey, I hit 20 homers. That's that's a cool thing. And for my family to be here and stuff like that, it's, it just makes it so much more Do you put numbers in your mind ever privately or write them down as goals and say, hey, I want to be a this number guy and that number ribbies and this number OPS? Um, you know, I, I used to. Um, as I've grown up in this game and realized, you know, you don't always get all the opportunities to do different things like that. I've, I've tried to make it more of a day-to-day -day thing, you know, just focusing on what I can control and go out there and play, play that one game the hardest that I can. I feel like if you do that, the numbers are going to be there then, if not better than what you expected. I want to go back to your personality. Again, something else I've, I've noticed and passed along. You're, you're more or less an easygoing guy. You're easy with a smile. You like to have fun. You're still a young guy in that clubhouse and a young guy in Major League Baseball. The Rockies lost a couple of guys with great personalities in Cargo, who I know put his arm around your bunch, and, and Gerardo. Do you feel like you can kind of be one of those guys and keep things light when, when the road turns south as it is this year, down the road? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like to be. Um, I've had a lot of older guys like that who have been great to me, who have seen when I'm struggling, you know, they help me keep it light and, and realize, you know, hey, there's more important things in life and the sooner you forget about this game, the sooner you're going to play better. So I'd like to be that guy. I'd like to be somebody who can kind of see when guys need to pick me up and stuff like that and be able to help out because that's, that's what good players do, man. They make the guys around them better. And, uh, you know, the more, more guys we have like that in the clubhouse, the more guys that can kind of realize all that stuff, the better we're going to be as a team. Who do you admire most in this game? That's actually a really good question. 
player-wise or like personality-wise? Either one. Okay, so personality-wise, Cargo. Uh, and then it's hard not to admire Nolan, man. I see him every day do these amazing things. And, you know, I, I don't think I really truly appreciate it until this season seeing him for what's going to be 162 games. If you were not a baseball player, you would be where right now? Um, I'd be trying to play football. I would. I, I did love football. Even though I do love baseball a lot more, I'd be trying to play football. And if not that, I have no other idea. There's, there's, I don't like a lot of other things besides sports. Had you gone to college, what would you study? Um, I think I was signed up to study math, maybe. I don't know. I had, I, They had to get me into the school. I didn't have the best grades. And that was the easiest way to get in. So I probably would have changed my major and done something different. I'll tell you something. I, I really, really like... Ryan McMahon. He's he's got a great personality. Uh, he he's a terrific kid. You know, many years ago, Julia, I would never. I, I felt weird saying he's a great kid on the air because most of the time those guys were about my age. Some of them were older than me, so it made no sense to say he's a great kid. But now I could say that because he's only a couple years older than my oldest kid. So uh, I, I think it fits. He has a warm personality. Uh, he's easy with a smile. Uh, I think in time, he will develop into one of the leaders of the Rockies. He hit his 20th home run in Los Angeles. It was neat because his family was there. 20 home runs, that's that's a nice um, milestone, and there's plenty more in the tank. It's, it's been a great growth year for him. And he loves talking, as you heard, he loves talking about his little brother. And, and I saw, I said, uh, you know, during the interview, you heard me say, I, I've seen his huddle tape of when he was a high school quarterback at Modern Day. And if you're looking at it, Trust me, he could have played major college football. He he really was talented uh, as a quarterback, which I guess is not a surprise anymore. These guys are, are great athletes. So the fact that they're good in other sports uh, is not a shocker. So that's a great segue to our next topic because the Broncos start their regular season Monday night in Oakland. And it's, you know, I've heard about this season coming off a 5-11 and 11 year and a 6-10 and 10 year. I've heard people talk about this team getting 10 wins. I've heard people talk about this team getting 12 wins. Now, ESPN, Jeff Lagwell just came out with an article um, where he has the Broncos at seven wins. For me, I feel like that's way more realistic, seven, eight wins. I feel like Joe Flacco is going to be an upgrade, maybe two more wins. But I cannot, for the life of me, understand how people are getting to 10 wins. And maybe I'm, I think you know me, I'm usually half glass half full. I don't really feel like that about the Broncos this year, especially when you take a look at the offense. I feel like there's more question marks than answers. I, I would love I, I would love for some of those prognosticators who are, are somewhere in double digit wins to be accurate and to be right. Mm-hmm. I quite frankly don't see it. I, I I think Jeff Legwald, and I have great respect for his work, is probably, you know, more uh on the money as we sit here before their first game and project because Joe Flacco is an upgrade. Uh, He's a veteran guy, but Joe Flacco, I always looked at as an upper third quarterback, upper dozen quarterbacks, never been mentioned among the elite quarterbacks, the elite, you know, half dozen quarterbacks in football. Um, You know, he's had some great runs, understandable that, that, uh, you know, you'd say, Hey, look, you know, he's, he's been in situations where they've won in the postseason. Absolutely. No question about it. Great respect for Joe Flacco. The offensive line is still in flux, 
I mean, Garrett Bowles has to get a lot better at left tackle. Ron Leary's been hurt. They're still they're still unsettled up front. When you're up unsettled up front, Julie, you can't have great confidence in, in your consistent ability to move the football. They have a wide receiver group that's in transition. Cortland Sutton's a second year Sutton's a second year player. Manuel Sanders has looked good when we've seen him for a handful of plays. Uh, in the uh, coming off the Achilles injury, and then tight end, nobody can stay healthy, and they, you know, you have Fant, uh, who is a number one pick. So when you add all of that up, I don't see juggernaut offensively, which means you're going to lean heavily on what the defense is able to do in in, in consistently getting stops. I think that this will be a defensive first team, but I don't I don't see him winning 10, 12 football games. So I'm going to say something that I know is really unpopular, and it, it it hurts my soul a little bit to say. One of the areas I wouldn't say it's an area of concern, but when you look at running back, I mean Philip Lindsay was like. God, I mean, if not the only bright spot last year, right? And and he misses the last game of the season with that wrist injury. But we didn't see much from Royce Freeman because he was hurt. Um, I'm not sure, and I would love to be wrong on this, but I'm not sure that Philip Lindsay, I don't know if I'd bet my mortgage on that he's going to have back-to-back season, another season like that. And it, it does hurt me to say that, but if you're counting on that, I still think that's another question. I think running back is another question mark. Um Again, I would love I would love to see it, and I don't doubt his speed. I don't think you figure somebody like Philip Lindsay out, but he had a pretty special season last year. And if they're going to struggle, like you said, at offensive line, which I do think they are again, even though I think Dalton Reisner is is an upgrade at his position, but I don't think Garrett Bowles has has figured it out. I'm not sure he's even close to that. Ron Leary has seen no playing time. Um, Juwan James has a has a injury history. I think though. Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, their work is going to be cut out for them again. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond. So I don't know. I'm like you. I, I feel like 10 wins. I I don't see it. Listen, I, I hope the planets align and, the, and, and somehow they, they are a great story this year and can, you know, reach somewhere in that neighborhood. I, as you, you know, you have to, you have to look and have an educated opinion. And my educated opinion is that, I, I don't see it. Uh, Philip Lindsay, I, I, you know, I'm going to mildly disagree. I think Philip yeah. Lindsay is a chip on the shoulder, really mm-hmm. talented running back. And I think if there's creases created by that offensive line, then he will uh, duplicate what we saw last year. I'm, I'm, and I know you're a big Philip Lindsay fan. It has nothing to yeah. do with that. But I, I think this kid is really talented, and we, we got to watch him, you know, for for a bunch of years in Boulder. Um, I, I think he's legit. I just think the the NFL sometimes because they punt, they crunch in too many numbers and height and size and how big the hand is and the underwear Olympics in Indianapolis, and sometimes some guys get spit out. Philip Lindsay should have been. Um, should have been one of the top running backs selected. I, I believe in him, but you still you have to get it done up front. Doesn't matter how gifted you are um, behind that offensive line if you're not getting things done up front. But but Philip Lindsay's going to be part of the part of the success of this team. Not at the end of the year if they don't win enough games. It's not going to be because they didn't get uh, solid play out of Philip Lindsay. So you mentioned CU and. As we end the podcast, a perfect time 
to talk about CU Nebraska. Nebraska comes in over the weekend, and you and I were around in Colorado when CU Nebraska was something. It was a big deal. It was the rivalry. I mean, it was hate. It was hate. It's a long way from hate right now, which is a little well. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I I don't know. It, it was it was strong dislike because I I've done a lot of games in Lincoln, Nebraska. Their fan base is is wonderful up there, and I know you know the old you know lines about uh, all the Nebraskans come to Colorado and to vacation. So does so does people from every other state to to come and vacation, and they take over when when the games were at Folsom Field. That was a lot of fun. I love, 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 love college football. I'm so excited about this time of year. Um, I I went down, the the Rockies were playing, the game ended, and uh, Jenny Kavnar and uh, Taylor McGregor and I uh, drove down really quickly, and we caught the last quarter and a half of the Colorado-Colorado State game. And just being on that field there with, you know, 66-plus thousand people in attendance, it was an electric atmosphere. Uh, by the way, I think both schools are going to be much better this year. Um, and, but getting back to rivalries, there's not enough of them with these breakups of conferences like Texas and Texas A&M not playing every year, uh, Colorado and Nebraska not playing every year, Nebraska and Oklahoma, which was a longer and deeper rivalry, not playing every year. It's a shame because even the elite schools, Julie, in the non-conference, they rarely play a team where you get really excited about it. And, you know, I go back to a statement I made a moment ago. I, like so many people, love the pageantry of college football, the atmosphere. You've been to many of both games, a college football game and a pro football game. College atmosphere kicks ass over <laughs> an NFL atmosphere. And so oh, I yeah. miss that. And so this this week in Boulder – with CU and Nebraska getting together, it's going to be tremendous. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, but it is better when both teams are really good. I mean, we have to, like, it's still, it's still, there are enough of us that remember the intensity of the rivalry. But I look forward to the days when the team is better, right? I mean, it's just yeah. it's better no, when get, it means yeah. something. No, I, I, Julie, I get that. But now you're talking to where the individual programs are. I do think Colorado's yeah. on the rise. I think yeah. the Mel Tucker uh, hiring, listen, he's, he's coached one game. I think that's going to turn out to be a, a terrific move by Rick George. I, I think the move by Nebraska to bring Scott Frost back, who's an, a Nebraska alum um, and, and a guy who had great success down in Florida, I, I think that was a brilliant move. I do think both of these programs are very much headed in the right direction. But to your point, yeah, is it is it number one Colorado taking on number three Nebraska or number eight Colorado taking on number 10 Nebraska? No, it's not right now. But it still gets people excited. And when you go into Folsom Field on Saturday, it will be uh, an electric atmosphere. It, it may not be a 10 like it, it was, but it'll probably be an eight and a half. And that's pretty cool. So this is podcast number eight. I'm going to let you go as I run off to work and you're going to go out uh, to the beach, right? Which when you're usually in Los Angeles and I call you, you're just, you're sitting on the beach doing game prep, right? Yeah. I go to Manhattan beach because it gets my <laughs> mind right for, uh, for later on. Plus I get out of the, uh, the, the, the clutter of 
of and uh, and traffic of downtown Los Angeles. Yes. Give me one word to describe Los Angeles. What part? Los Angeles is Drew. Los you're Angeles overanalyzing this. Things. Just give me one part. Just one. I word. know, but I that's me. One word. <laughs> yeah. The last couple of days, hot. Okay. I say sucky one more time. And hot and hot. It, well, no, I like I like LA and hot. There's many definitions of hot, right? Um, okay. So this is a good time to wrap up the show. If you want to give us a uh, contact us, just go to the Drew Goodman podcast.com. Once again, we're going to give away a copy of autographed copy of Drew's book. Just retweet the link and also subscribe and you will be entered to win an autographed copy partner. I will see you next week when uh, you guys are back in town. podcast with julie brownman remember you can find us on itunes spotify google play stitcher or wherever you find your favorite podcasts and remember check out our website at the drew goodman podcast.com 